poems and prologue to gargantua and pantagruel book one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Giessen Gargantua and Pantagruel, Book One, by François Rabelais, translated by Sir Thomas Urquhart. Poems and Prologue To the Honoured Noble Translator of Rabelais rabelais whose wit prodigiously was made all men professions actions to invade with so much furious vigour as if it had lived o'er each of them and each had quit yet with such happy slight and careless skill as like the serpent doth with laughter kill so that although his noble leaves appear antic and gottish and dull souls forbear to turn them o'er lest they should only find nothing but savage monsters of a mind no shapen beauteous thoughts yet when the wise seriously strip him of his wild disguise melt down his dross refine his massy ore and polish that which seemed rough cast before search his deep sense unveil his hidden mirth and make that fiery which before seemed earth conquering those things of highest consequence what's difficult of language or of sense he will appear some noble table writ in the old egyptian hieroglyphic wit where though you monsters and grotescoes see you meet all mysteries of philosophy for he was wise and sovereignly bred to know what mankind is how it may be led he stooped unto them like that wise man who rid on a stick whence children would do so for we are easy sullen things and must be laughed aright and cheated into trust whilst a black piece of phlegm that lays about dull menaces and terrifies the rout and cajoles it with all its peevish strength piteously stretched and botched up into length whilst the tired rabble sleepily obey such opiate talk and snore away the day by all his noise as much their minds relieves as caterwauling of wild cats frights thieves but rabelais was another thing a man made up of all that art and nature can form from a fiery genius he was one whose soul so universally was thrown through all the arts of life 
who understood each stratagem by which we stray from good so that he best might solid virtue teach as some gainst sins of their own bosoms preach he from wise choice did the true means prefer in the fool's coat acting the philosopher thus hoary aesop's beasts did mildly tame fierce man and moralize him into shame thus brave romances while they seem to lay great trains of lust platonic love display thus would old sparta if a seldom chance showed a drunk slave teach children temperance thus did the later poets nobly bring the scene to height making the fool the king and noble sir you vigorously have trod in this hard path unknown ununderstood by its own countrymen tis you appear our full enjoyment which was our despair scattering his mists cheering his cynic frowns for radiant brightness now dark rabelais crowns leaving your brave heroic cares which must make better mankind and embalm your dust so undeceiving us that now we see all wit in gascon and in cromarty besides that rabelais is conveyed to us and that our scotland is not barbarous j de la salle <laughs> rabelophila the first decade the commendation musa canas nostrorum testimonio amorum et gargantueas perpetuata faces utque homini tali resultet nobilis echo quid quid fama canit pantagruelis erit the argument here i intend mysteriously to sing with a pen plucked from fame's own wing of gargantua that learned breech-wiping king decade the first <coughs> one help me propitious stars a mighty blaze benumbs me i must sound the praise of him hath turned this crabbed work in such heroic phrase too what wit would not court martyrdom to hold upon his head a laurel of gold where for each rich conceit a pumpian pearl is told three and such a one is this art's masterpiece a thing ne'er equalled by old greece a thing ne'er matched as yet a real golden fleece for 
vice is a soldier fights against mankind which you may look but never find for tis an envious thing with cunning interlined five and thus he rails at drinking all before em and for lewd women does behore em and brings their painted faces and black patches to the quorum six to drink he was a furious enemy contented with a sixpenny with diamond hat-band silver spurs six horses pie seven and for tobacco's pate rotunding smoke much had he said and much more spoke but twas not then found out so the design was broke <laughs> eight muse fancy faith come now arise aloud assembled in a blue-veined cloud and this tall infant in angelic arms now shroud nine to praise it further i would now begin wert now a thoroughfare and inn it harbours vice though't be to catch it in a gin ten therefore my muse draw up thy flowing sail and acclimate a gentle hail with all thy art and metaphors which must prevail iam prima oceani parsest praeterita nostri imparibus restat danda secunda modis quam si praestiterit mentem daemon malus addam cum sapiens totus prodierit rabelais male volus reader the errata which in this book are not a few are casually lost and therefore the translator not having leisure to collect them again craves thy pardon for such as thou mayst meet with the author's prologue to the first book most noble and illustrious drinkers and you thrice precious pockified blades for to you and none else do i dedicate my writings alcibiades in that dialogue of plato's which is entitled the banquet whilst he was setting forth the praises of his schoolmaster socrates without all question the prince of philosophers amongst other discourses to that purpose said that he resembled the silenes 
silenes of old were little boxes like those we may now see in the shops of apothecaries painted on the outside with wanton toyish figures as harpies satyrs bridled geese horned hares saddled ducks flying goats filler hearts and other such-like counterfeited pictures at discretion to excite people unto laughter as silenus himself who was the foster-father of good bacchus was wont to do but within those capricious caskets were carefully preserved and kept many rich jewels and fine drugs such as balm ambergris amomon musk civet with several kinds of precious stones and other things of great price just such another thing was socrates for to have eyed his outside and esteemed of him by his exterior appearance you would not have given the peel of an onion for him so deformed he was in body and ridiculous in his gesture he had a sharp pointed nose with the look of a bull and countenance of a fool he was in his carriage simple boorish in his apparel in fortune poor unhappy in his wives unfit for all offices in the commonwealth always laughing tippling and merrily carousing to every one with continual jibes and cheers the better by those means to conceal his divine knowledge now opening this box you would have found within it a heavenly and inestimable drug a more than human understanding an admirable virtue matchless learning invincible courage unimitable sobriety certain contentment of mind perfect assurance and an incredible misregard of all that for which men commonly do so much watch run sail fight travel toil and turmoil themselves whereunto in your opinion does this little flourish of a preamble tend for so much as you my good disciples and some other jolly fools of ease and leisure reading the pleasant titles of some books of our invention as gargantua pantagruel whippot Fessipinte, the dignity of codpieces of peas and bacon with a commentary et cetera are too ready to judge that there is nothing in them but jests mockeries lascivious discourse and recreative lies 
because the outside which is the title is usually without any farther inquiry entertained with scoffing and derision <laughs> but truly it is very unbeseeming to make so slight account of the works of men seeing yourselves avouch that it is not the habit makes the monk many being monisterially accoutred who inwardly are nothing less than monarchal and that there are of those that wear spanish capes who have but little of the valour of spaniards in them therefore is it that you must open the book and seriously consider of the matter treated in it then you shall find that it containeth things of far higher value than the box did promise that is to say that the subject thereof is not so foolish as by the title at the first sight it would appear to be and put the case that in the literal sense you meet with purposes merry and solacious enough and consequently very correspondent to their inscriptions yet must not you stop there as at the melody of the charming sirens but endeavour to interpret that in a sublimer sense which possibly you intended to have spoken in the jollity of your heart did you ever pick the lock of a cupboard to steal a bottle of wine out of it tell me truly and if you did call to mind the countenance which then you had or did you ever see a dog with a marrow-bone in his mouth the beast of all other says plato liber secundus de republica the most philosophical if you have seen him you might have remarked with what devotion and circumspectness he wards and watcheth it with what care he keeps it how fervently he holds it how prudently he gobbets it with what affection he breaks it and with what diligence he sucks it to what end all this what moveth him to take all these pains what are the hopes of his labour what does he expect to reap thereby nothing but a little marrow true it is that this little is more savoury and delicious than the great quantities of other sorts of meat because the marrow as galen testifieth quintus facultatibus naturalibus and undecimus de usu partium is a nourishment most perfectly elaboured by nature in imitation of this dog it becomes you to be wise to smell feel and have in estimation these fair goodly books 
books stuffed with high conceptions which though seemingly easy in the pursuit are in the cope and encounter somewhat difficult and then like him you must by a sedulous lecture and frequent meditation break the bone and suck out the marrow that is my allegorical sense or the things i to myself propose to be signified by these pythagorical symbols with assured hope that in so doing you will at last attain to be both well advised and valiant by the reading of them for in the perusal of this treatise you shall find another kind of taste and a doctrine of a more profound and abstruse consideration which will disclose unto you the most glorious sacraments and dreadful mysteries as well in what concerneth your religion as matters of the public state and life economical do you believe upon your conscience that homer while he was accouching his iliads and odysseys had any thought upon those allegories which plutarch heraclides ponticus eustathius cornutus squeezed out of him and which politian filched again from them if you trust it with neither hand nor foot do you come near to my opinion which judgeth them to have been as little dreamed of by homer as the gospel sacraments were by ovid in his metamorphoses though a certain gully-gut friar frere lubin croquelardon and true bacon-picker would have undertaken to prove it if perhaps he had met with as very fools as himself and as the proverb says a lid worthy of such a kettle if you give no credit thereto why do not you the same in these jovial new chronicles of mine albeit when i did dictate them i thought upon no more than you who possibly were drinking the whilst as i was for in the composing of this lordly book i never lost nor bestowed any more nor any other time than what was appointed to serve me for taking of my bodily refection that is whilst i was eating and drinking and indeed that is the fittest and most proper hour wherein to write these high matters and deep sciences as homer knew very well the paragon of all philologues and ennius the father of the latin poets as horace calls him although a certain sneaking jobbernal alleged that his verses smelled more of the wine than oil 
so saith a turlupin or new start-up grub of my books but a turd for him the fragrant odour of the wine oh how much more dainty pleasant laughing riant priant friant celestial and delicious it is than that smell of oil and i will glory as much when it is said of me that i have spent more on wine than oil as did demosthenes when it was told him that his expense on oil was greater than on wine i truly hold it for an honour and praise to be called and reputed a frolic gualter and a robin goodfellow for under this name am i welcome in all choice companies of pantagruelists it was upbraided to demosthenes by an envious surly knave that his orations did smell like the sapler or wrapper of a foul and filthy oil-vessel for this cause interpret you all my deeds and sayings in the perfectest sense reverence the cheese-like brain that feeds you with these fair bilivises and trifling jollities and do what lies in you to keep me always merry be frolic now my lads cheer up your hearts and joyfully read the rest with all the ease of your body and profit of your reins but hearken jolt-heads you vi-daisies or dickens take ye remember to drink a health to me for the like favour again and i will pledge you instantly to taresmetis to the reader good friends my readers who peruse this book be not offended whilst on it you look denude yourselves of all depraved affection for it contains no badness nor infection tis true that it brings forth to you no birth of any value but in point of mirth thinking therefore how sorrow might your mind consume i could no apter subject find one inch of joy surmounts of grief a span because to laugh is proper to the man End of Poems and Prologue Recording by Martin Giessen In Hazelmere, Surrey